Amen, church. You rock. Amen. Great to be together today. Let me be the first to welcome Peter back. It's great to have him. What's that? Hey, I enjoy leading songs, but I know my limitations. I, in my dreams, I don't even, I can't even do that. Uh, Chris, great job, bro. Thank you. Appreciate that communion. Appreciate the vulnerability and the realness, and uh, I think a lot of us can relate. I know I can. Go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, we're, we're going to have a good time this morning. I've already had a great time after Chris's communion and some good singing. I, I could leave. I could leave. I felt ministered to. But uh, uh, I think it'll be good here to get in the Bible a little more and uh, uh, look at a few more things this morning. And I uh, hope you've been having a great weekend. Yesterday, the Hope Day was amazing. Thank you, Roland and Teresa Beber, for organizing it. I know a lot of you went in the morning and cleaned, and then uh, my family and some others, we came in the afternoon, and it was a neighborhood outreach day, and it was so fun. We got there, and we, had, we set up the soccer field, and all the arts and crafts were ready, but the kids weren't there, and I really admire Roland. Roland's all like, well, bro. It's like Jesus said in the Bible, the banquet's ready. If they're not coming in, let's go get them. So he grabbed Jorge Schweitzer and a bunch of flyers, and they just started going out and knocking doors. And next thing you know, the families were flooding out and uh, playing a bunch of soccer, and the kids were inside doing crafts. I mean, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I became a Christian, as, as many of you know, I became a Christian when I was going to college in Santa Barbara. Uh, which isn't the easiest thing to do. There's a few things that are promoted in Isla Vista other than godliness. Um, but when I became a Christian, I was so excited. I was so excited, and I just, I just wanted to focus on what God wanted me to do. I was like, what's important to God, I want to be important to me. And I really knew, I knew, and I, I just was certain that as long as I did things God's way, nothing bad would ever happen to me. I just, you know, I'm 20, and I'm just like, yeah, God's amazing. And um, I, I had gone through what Chris had gone through, where I went to church my whole life, and I mean, I was, I was powerless. I mean, I would, I would get up on a Sunday morning and, and uh, smoke some pot, and then I'd go sing in the choir at my dad's church. I mean, I was a mess. My life was powerless. But when I truly became a disciple, I was just so excited that I truly had found the truth. So I just knew, you know what, now that I'm going to do things God's way, nothing bad's going to happen. And there were such fun times. You know, I remember I first became a Christian, and I'd ride my skateboard to church, and I'd walk in early because I wanted to help set up chairs. And people didn't know what to make of me. You know, I'm walking in, what's up, bro? Set the chairs up, you know. Uh, but I was just happy to be there. Good times. I remember a bunch, you know, uh, I became a Christian at Santa Barbara City College, and, and we would do this thing where me and all the brothers, if you've ever been to Santa Barbara City College, it's on two cliffs, and there's a bridge to go from one side to the other. And on a regular basis, there, there'd be a bunch of us brothers, and we'd pick a time, and we'd go, okay, for an hour we own the bridge. And we'd, we'd literally decide nobody crosses this bridge without us sharing our faith with them. 
You know, and obviously when classes switched, it didn't work. But in between classes, it wasn't the flash mob. It, it was just good times, a lot of fun, exciting, just focused on doing God's will and knowing, hey, nothing bad's going to happen. I'm doing things God's way. Um, you know, while, during this time, I started getting interested in a certain sister, and um, uh, we started dating steadily. And it was exciting, you know, I was a young Christian, just excited. We dated steadily for about two and a half years, a lot of fun, just being a Christian, doing things God's way. We maintained a pure dating relationship. I mean, we didn't even French kiss. And trust me, in Isla Vista, people are like, what? You know, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, they meet each other, and in an hour, they're done with each other. Um, but we maintained a pure relationship, and I was excited. I'm doing things God's way. This is amazing. So we dated for about two and a half years, and then I decided, this is the woman that I'm supposed to marry and spend the rest of my life with. So I asked her to marry me. She said yes, and I was finishing up with school. So we were planning the wedding, and I was finishing my last semester of school, um, we, we, we planned a five-month five engagement and uh, got down to where we had about a month and a half left before we were going to get married. I was finishing up my finals, last finals. I was going to be done with school. Right after that, we were going to be married, and, and her and I were going to be named the church leaders for the church there at UC Santa Barbara. So it was very exciting. You know, my whole future was laid out. Um, and I, I rem, I'll never forget the day I was studying for my last final um, at the study room next to the library. And I got a page. Some of you might not know what a pager is. But back in the day, you wore a little thing on your hip and it goes zzz, zzz. And you want to make sure everybody knew, you'd be like, huh. I got a page. Does anybody have any change? I got a page. It was cool, you know, you, you tuck your shirt in so everybody could see your pager. And, you know, you go, well, I got a page, and it was a 911 page. And I'd never gotten one of those. And it was from the campus minister. And I called him, and he said, I need you to come over. And I'm, I'm like, well, I'm studying for my last final. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 you need to come over. So uh, I went over to his home. And that night, I found out that life as I knew it would never be the same. Um, unfortunately, the woman I was engaged to had been living a double life for over a year. And she had been involved in an improper relationship with another member of our campus ministry. And the battle to forgive was on for me. That's the title of our message today. When you believe in God but won't forgive. You know, we're doing the Christian Atheist series, and I appreciate what Chris said. You know, we're really striving as a church to help us all not to be people who lie through our teeth. Oh, God's amazing. You know, none of us like being liars. You know, and the, the sad thing is sometimes lying's so easy. Sometimes it can just get set up for you. You know, maybe you're at work, and somebody's all, you know what I mean? And there's other people around, and you're like... Yeah, sure, I know what you mean, because it's just easier to go with the flow. Well, we're trying to be a church who doesn't just go with the flow of living as Christian atheists, like Chris described so excellently, where we don't want to be a church where Christ is a brand for us, 
but not truly changing our lives. So really, you're in a place where our focus is, let's live as Christians. And so we're doing this series. And like I said, today we're going to focus, the, the title of the message is When You Believe in God But Won't Forgive. And forgiveness is difficult, isn't it? Forgiveness is difficult. People do things that really hurt us. People do things beyond our control, control that devastate us. People we know, sometimes very well, do things that we believe they should have known better. You know what I mean? Those are the hardest. Some stranger, you know, you know, I, I mean, I was at Wendy's and the girl gave me the wrong order and so I had to pull around. I told my kids, stay in the car, start eating your Frosty, went inside, hey, you messed up my order, I need the kids' chocolate milk, uh, I was supposed to get a Caesar salad, not a garden. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no problem, no problem. Everybody makes mistakes. But my wife does that going on here you know the people we know well you should know but girl at wendy's god bless her heart she doesn't know you know life's hard a lot of people going through the drive-thru it's hard honey what is going on around here you know i want four ice cubes you know it's the people we know that are the hardest to forgive the people and the longer we know them even in the church He's been a Christian a long time. He should have known better. How can I forgive him? It's difficult. You know, we get hurt. And there's a lot of factors that lead to us getting hurt. And the difficult part is that once it happens, once somebody does something against us and we get hurt, we do not want to forgive. I mean, there may be one or two of you rare birds who are like, hey, I want to forgive. Most of us, our first reaction is, I don't want to forgive you. I can't believe you did that. I'm not happy with you. So what do we do? We'll end friendships. Marriages end. I mean, why, why is the divorce rate so high? Because people don't want to forgive. People will stop talking to people. They'll go to work and they'll walk, they'll walk an extra flight of stairs so they can get around that person. They'll walk around a parking lot. I don't want to see that person. And you get bitter. And bitterness is dangerous. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Bitterness is dangerous and scary. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. And I'm going to read it two times because I'm using the New Living Translation. It's my translation for the year. I encourage you, uh, you know, get a different Bible. It's pretty cool. I got this Bible uh, at the Christian bookstore that is the New Living Translation, and they rearranged it according to what they think chronologically. So they break up all the books of the Bible, and so it's not just Genesis, Exodus. You could have like 15 chapters of Genesis, and then a little Chronicles, and then some more Genesis. They try to get it chronologically, and they also have it set up to read in a year. It's really cool. Um, so I'd encourage you, branch out a little bit. But I'll read it twice. Hebrews 12, verse 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. 
Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Once again, it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, why does it say, watch out? Because it will happen. You know, you don't say, watch out if something's not going to happen. You don't let somebody walk down a straight path and go, hey, watch out. You say, watch out if they're right here and they're like, hey, what's going on? Whoa. That's when you say, watch out. Well, God says, watch out for bitterness because it's a poisonous root and, it's gonna tr- and it will cause you trouble. You know, a lack of forgiveness makes you bitter, as the scripture here says, and bitterness destroys you. As it says in the scripture, bitterness is poison and it's dangerous. And the longer you allow a root of bitterness to live, the harder it is to kill. And the deeper the root goes, the more the poison spreads. And the irony is, you know, you don't want to forgive the other person, but you're unhappy. (laughs) What's wrong? You know, oh, that person. You're not like, oh, I'm so happy. I hate that person. Hey. You know, inside you're like. You know, when something bad happens to us, first we have the shock. What? How could this happen? But as the shock fades, we start to despise whoever wronged us. How could they do this? What have they done? Then, a lot of us, we start to wish harm upon them. You know, we become eager to see them suffer. God, humble them. We become meaner. Our heart gets harder. And life starts to leave us. Because we don't want to forgive and the bitterness grows. And we begin to suffer and we're not happy. And the longer we won't forgive someone the more we keep a list of everything they've done wrong. You, they've done this, and they've done this. I mean, you, see, you meet somebody who won't forgive their spouse for a while. My spouse is this, and my spouse is that, and he's this, and he's got bad breath. And... You know, because bitterness keeps a detailed account of every wrong a person has done. So you can look at yourself. If you're keeping a detailed list of what somebody else has done wrong, there's bitterness in you. And there's only one way to get past the bitterness, and that's to forgive. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. There's no other way. We, you know, sometimes we just think, oh, it'll just go away. It don't go away. It just gets bigger. It's like a weed in your yard. You know, you look at weeds when they first sprout up, and oh, cute little weed. It's bringing some color to the dirt. Gets a little bigger, and dogs peeing on it. And next thing you know, the weed's, you know, growing, and you're like... Good night, and then I don't have time. And then, man, you, sometimes I've seen weeds go. You know, you can see why weeds as big as people, and you go to pull it, and it's like. Yeah. It's the same with bitterness. Just pull it when it's a cute little weed before it gets big. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, 
tenderhearted. Forgive one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Look what it says there. He says to get rid of the bitterness, the rage, the anger. And, And how does he say to do that? Forgive one another. The only way to kill bitterness is to forgive. The only way to soothe the rage and the anger you feel towards another is to forgive. The only way to stop the slander, you know, when you find yourself, oh, that person, let me tell you, is to forgive. The only way to end the evil behavior is to forgive. You know, now here's the thing. Forgiveness is likely, it's going to start out reluctantly, but that's okay. You know, most of us don't start out, oh, I'm so excited, I just want to forgive you. It's like, ah, i got to forgive you. It's where it starts a lot of time. But that's the roadway to true forgiveness. You know, you, you have to, it takes time and it can be difficult, but you have to decide where you want to end. You know, uh, I have a family member of mine who's going through some, some mental health challenges. I got a phone call yesterday uh, from their work, and I was told, you need to come, we're concerned, you need to come up here and pick them up. We cannot let them leave work. So I immediately drove to Santa Barbara, went to their work, uh, was not comfortable, uh, got them, took them to a place in, in downtown Santa Barbara that I thought should be open, closed. Made a phone call, was told to come back out to Goleta, drove out there, closed. Then I was told, well, maybe go to downtown Santa Barbara and go to the hospital. Went to the hospital. Two hours into the waiting room, which is the craziest and worst place ever to sit, I was like, this ain't working. Started making some more phone calls. Found out, okay, we can go to Ventura. Told my family member, let's go. And then we got outside. My family members all, where are we going? I said, we're going to Ventura. Family member proceeded to get very agitated towards me. Was not comfortable at all. Got him in the car. Got them down to Ventura, waited a few more hours, and they're, they're getting some help. But I share that because I had a goal, which was to get this family member some help. But it took a lot longer than I wanted. At one point in the emergency room, I was like, man, I just want to take this person home and go get something to eat. <laughs> and sit in a comfortable chair and not have somebody coughing next to me. Where I'm like, you know, do you have some crazy disease I've never heard of? Yeah, you know. But, but the focus was this person needs help. And I, I share that because it has to be the same with forgiveness. It's not always easy. It's not always the path we want to take. But if, if, if the goal is there, then you'll do whatever it takes to get there. That's what has to be our heart with forgiveness. But God doesn't stop there because we're like, fine, I forgive you. I forgave him. What do you want? What do you want, God? We'll turn to Luke 6. Because God doesn't want us just to forgive. Luke 6, verse 28. Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Huh? Pray for those who hurt you. Not only are we supposed to forgive, but we're supposed to pray for those who hurt us. Now by pray, he doesn't mean, Father God, I pray today you'll help them get hit by a bus and help them realize how they have wronged me and they should not have done that. That's not what he means by pray. 
You know, I prayed some prayers where I'm like, God, I pray you will humble them and you will help them see that they shouldn't have messed with me. That's not what he's talking about. Pray for those who hurt you. You know, care about them. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for God to help them. We need to pray for God to help us forgive them. You know, we need to pray to God to help us with a miracle of forgiving someone we have zero desire to forgive. You know, as older Christians, this is one of the most likely things to destroy you. So you've been around a while and you go, that person should have known better. And you decide you're not going to forgive them and the bitter root grows. A couple years later, you're gone and, well, what happened? Well, it started years ago when you just decided, I'm not going to ever forgive that person. You know, we get mad, we get hurt, we get reluctant, but we need to go to God and pray. Because through prayer, God helps us change our hearts. But God doesn't want us to change our heart just to forgive. He doesn't even stop there. Go to Matthew 5. God keeps calling us higher. Matthew 5, 43. Matthew 5, verse 43. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. What? Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as two true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He says, love your enemies. The farthest thing from what is in our hearts. <laughs> so not only are we supposed to forgive them, not only are we supposed to pray for them, but we're supposed to love them. And here's a kicker. I hesitate to even say it. We're even supposed to do this for the ones who don't say sorry. We learn that, you know. You talk to kids. You need to forgive them. She didn't say sorry. Well, you need to forgive her. But she didn't say sorry. Just the indignation that I've seen in a few kids I know. You know, like, until there is sorrow, there is no forgiveness. It's not what it says here. And I know this is not what some of us want to hear. Because we become experts at hating. But I shouldn't say hating. We, in our society today, we don't like strong words, so I'll kind of rephrase it. We don't get along. In our hearts, I hate you. I've stabbed needles in your eye a thousand times. But in our nicer, you know, softer, gentle society, we disagree. 
but we are to love those who hurt us. Look inside your heart right now. In your life, do you have people you don't want to forgive or that you haven't forgiven? This cannot be. You cannot live this way. If you have somebody you have not forgiven, you have to forgive them. You need to forgive them. You need to pray for them. You need to love them. Because it's going to destroy you. (laughs) I mean, God wants you to care about them, but God's also protecting you. Colossians 3, verse 13. Turn there. You know, a lot of us, you, you may be like, I'm with you, bro, but I just can't do it. I tried. But there's no power. If that's the case, let's look at the answer. You know, you you may be going, I try, but you don't know what they did to me. I appreciate you talking about ordinary circumstances, but what they did is above and beyond that. I've known that person for so long, I can never forgive them. Colossians 3, verse 13. Some of you, you're, you're smiling at me, but in your heart, that may be where you are. You may be like, you're right, but in your heart, you're like this. I will not forgive. Verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults. You're like, okay, I will if I can. And forgive anyone who offends you. Eh, that's nice, you know, Sure. You know, if it's, you know, girl at Wendy's, no problem. If it's my spouse, it's on. Listen to what it says, though. Remember. Why do we tell our kids to remember? Because they forget. Why do you tell your kids, remember, scissors are only for cutting paper? Why? Because my daughter cut her hair. My wife almost had a heart attack. Tomorrow's the first day of preschool. Why do we remember scissors are for cutting paper? Because people forget. It says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. He uses a word that we don't really like anymore. Must. We like consider. Keep as an option. If it's convenient. But must, we don't like that word. But it says we must forgive others. This is the standard, guys. This is the expectation. Here is the power. Here is how you don't live like a Christian atheist, but like a Christian. Where you're humble and you say, if God says I must forgive, then I must forgive. Because I want to do things his way, not my way. Here's the way to freedom. Because forgiveness is freedom. It's for the other person, but forgiveness is freedom for you. You know, it says forgive as God forgives you. This is where we find the ability to forgive others. When we think about all that God has had to forgive us of. You know, I've been a Christian for over 14 years. And when I think about all the things that God has had to forgive me of as a Christian, the hurting of others... The impurity, the lust, the lying, the laziness, the selfishness, the fights with my wife that were totally my fault. There were some that were her fault. 
But when I think about all that God's had to forgive me of, it, it makes me very humble. And that's why I put some perspective. He starts with, I've had to forgive you. And when I think about that, I'm like, sheesh, man. I'm lucky my name's still in the book of life. Because if, if I was God, the way I've treated some people in my life, if God treated me that way, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be at the bar going, man, life stinks. That's the standard. That's the freedom. And he says, as I've forgiven you, you need to forgive others. You know, when I left that meeting that night at the campus minister's house, finding out that the woman I was planning to spend the rest of my life life with was not who I thought she was, I was in shock. That night, I went out and I prayed for hours. I didn't even know what to say. I mean, that night I was just like, God help me, God help me, God help me. Um... But I knew that I needed to forgive her and the other person or I would be destroyed. And I also knew it was what God wanted. But I just didn't have the ability. So I had to keep praying and keep praying day after day, week after week. And I'll never forget the day I was out on the beach with my best friend Josh. And, uh, you know, we had been out there for hours. To the point where he's like, I'm going to kind of let you pray a little bit. I'm going to walk around a little bit. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I was able to forgive. And I remember I just started jumping up and down. Whoa, yeah. And he came running over. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, I forgive him. Woo. I was having a party. I'm sure. You know, it's Isla Vista. People are like, that guy's on a bad trip. Uh, You know, it's the middle of the day. But I was just like, yes, I forgive him. I forgive him. And I was celebrating. And I was so happy. Because I was free, and I was doing what God wanted me to do. And that's what I wanted. I can't imagine having not forgiven them. I mean, that was 11 years ago. Can you imagine how bitter I'd be in 11 years? You know I wouldn't be here. You know, I want to encourage those of you who are here today, who are a part of our church. If there's anyone you have not forgiven, you need to. I'm not suggesting it. It's biblical. You need to do it. It's not okay to be a Christian and not forgive. You know, if you're visiting, you need to forgive too. I want to encourage you to study the Bible, to get in a right relationship with God so you can have the power to forgive. You know, guys, let's not be the Christian atheist who can rationalize as many excuses as needed to avoid forgiving. Well, they did this and this and this and this and this, and I haven't even told you about that. And let's act like Christians who can find in God the strength to battle the feelings of anger, hatred, bitterness, and fight our way back to the cross. The cross is where we were forgiven. The cross is where we will find the ability to forgive those who have heard us. Amen.